Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Welcome back to Big and Night. Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez, producing the operation, Ron Cap, lead analyst uh, from our partner, arrowheadpride.com. Sound good? We're partners with you guys now? Partners? Oh, another yeah. year. Me and you have been partners. We're, well, we're, we got another year going yeah, forward. We're the duo. No, I, I love it. a nice I love, little uh, combination. Yeah, no, I love joining the studio with you, Jay. You know, it, you know these 15, those 15 minute, minute little calls, man, you know, we get a lot of info in, but there's nothing better than these two hour stretches. Dead of the off season. Nothing really going on. We can kind of recap everything that's been going on this offseason, the draft, free agent signings, what it, what it's looked like in OTAs. We've had boots on the ground. Pete's been doing a great job um, kind of, you know, putting his observations out, and I think we've learned a lot from from what we've we've gotten in OTAs. So, man, yeah, there's just so much to talk about. I'm pumped. I'm juiced. We're a month well, away. You've been saying it, man. We're, we're getting close. We're less than a month away, brother. <laughs> Gosh, that is crazy. Hopefully you'll come visit me in the 10th and uh, talk to Chiefs. If you'll there. have me. Of course. Yeah, I'll be up there that first weekend, too, with rookies and quarterbacks. I'll be up there the, that first weekend up there in, in any weekend practice they have. Because they have a lot of weekends off. Like Saturday, then they're off Sunday. Yeah. They'll, they'll be off Saturday. Then, then well, Sunday. and sometimes even if they are practicing Sunday, it's that, like, they do that, like, you know, shortened practice where they barely even do any team stuff. They're basically just walking through, doing special team stuff. Now, I'll be there as soon as I can. As soon as they, as soon as they open those gates, man, I'm there. I can't wait to get up to St. Do Joe. you like the whole Midnight Madness talk? Because I remember Peter King had it in Monday morning quarterback like a year ago. Like, they could do it because what the NFL did is shifted. Everybody started training camp at the same time. Uh-huh. Unless you played in the Thursday night. Uh, game oh, first yeah, yeah, year, yeah. or yes. if you played in the Hall of Fame game, you get to start earlier. Right. So it's Midnight Madness, and I absolutely that would that would be fun. That would be it, cool. You know, Pitch be, black. Oh, dude. <laughs> lights out. Yeah. Oh. Or lights. You know, on. Obviously, that would that would be cool. I'd love that. I mean, they could use the stadium there. I mean, that's the one where they could use Missouri Western yeah. Stadium. Lights already there. I mean, they could bring in temporary lights, but they they have that stadium there. Yeah. Because so, they used to do it. They used to do like family fun night in the evenings mm-hmm. a long oh, yeah, time I ago. Those. So they've been able to do it or arrowhead stadium they've you know they've done it there too as well but 913-586-7610 is our uh, text line number j southland tow service text line also the phone number we'll get into calls as well later on if you have something um you want to say but everybody got a couple texts in here about robert quinn and dominican sue things like that we'll get into all your chiefs related questions but we'll start here chiefs camp primer for saint joe 
So your top three things, Ron. Ooh. I want to go through these one, two, and three. My list of what I'll be looking for and you'll be looking for, I have a feeling they're going to be the same thing. Maybe. But number one, I'll start this off, George Karloftis. Oh, okay. And I'm going one guy instead of a unit because of all the pressure on him. I consider more pressure on him than any other rookie that I've seen. I think he can make an argument for the last 10 years. Oh, wow. With the Kansas City Chiefs because of there's nobody else. Yeah. Like Trey McDuffie, the guy that was picked before him, doesn't have the pressure because Fenton's here yeah, and Steed's yeah. here and, and all that. But George's got to be the guy. Yeah. No, that's a good point. No, it, it really is all about kind of the, uh, uh, you know, just what's around him, right? I mean, Frank Clark is your your other guy that's a veteran. And, I mean, you know, we've seen some pictures this offseason, a little skinnier. You know, he hasn't been producing down the stretch yeah, last year. What the hell year. on, man? I want that. <laughs> and that's the thing, you know, he show, if he shows up the training camp and looks good, then, you know, it's not even a point. These guys but, can fluctuate in a heartbeat, too. Yeah, but but all that to say, I mean, he, he there is a lot riding on. Because, you know, we're all expecting them to get a, 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 a free agent rusher, right? A star, you know, maybe not a star, but just a, a very good it was rusher. It's not the Melvin Ingram, especially when they put the tender on him. Yeah, well, especially, yeah, you, you add him, too. But I just feel like a lot of us, before this offseason started, were expecting, okay, they're going to, you know, we saw the offensive line overhaul the year before. Okay, now it's going to be the pass rush overhaul, right? We're going to see, you know, a really good addition, a Chandler Jones type of addition to the offense you know, or to the defensive line. And then really the only addition they make is is the Carl Loftus pick, which, again, it goes back to your point, man. There's a lot of pressure on him to, to live up to what Melvin Ingram was able to do last year, but – probably he's going to have to even do more. I mean, you know, you look at Melvin Ingram's production last year, you know, it, it, I think it was a little inflated by coming at some of the highlight plays, right? You know, he still, you know, he still wasn't this like great, you know, edge rusher that just dominated and the chiefs kind of need a, just a little more from that, from edge rusher, whether it is Frank Clark or, or Carl Loftus. But I think it, it's just banking on Clark to, to be anything different than kind of what he, I feel like he's kind of proven the last couple of years. That's just a little silly, but what we don't know about Carl, we, we don't know anything about Carl Loftus yet, right? We we know what he looked like in college, so that that's where you can kind of have the optimism where we haven't we haven't seen it yet, so we can we can maybe project a little more and have a little more optimism that you know he has a higher ceiling maybe than than what Clark can do in twenty twenty two. Well, I had his head coach on Jeff Rom from mm-hmm. Purdue and talked about Carl Loftus and brought up a name that we'll look at some of these rookie sack guys and what you can really expect. For example. Micah Parson was the only rookie to have more than double digit sacks. He had he had 13. Yeah. Jalen Phillips guys like that, eight and a half. Yeah. So eight, you have to go yeah. back, like even Chase Young, when he he led the rookies with seven and a half a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And you have to go back to when he was Josh Allen, not the quarterback from the Bills, but the edge for the Jags that had ten and a half and Max Crosby ten. You have to go back. Like they don't get I mean, yeah. Micah Parsons, which is just an incredible athlete. I mean, Micah Parsons, I mean He's an asterisk. He's a freak. Right. You don't have Micah Parsons. I mean, but can you have Max Crosby? And I think you can with Carl Loftus. This is what I asked his coach. I said, when I see Carl Loftus, I think of the motor of Max Crosby, which if he can be Max Crosby, you got a winner. And, and you're exactly right. And I think, uh, you know, we actually played against Max in college here, and he was at a smaller school. And actually, you know, he did a great job when we played against him. Uh, he definitely – you could tell he was the best player on their defense. Uh, and I think, you know, George going against the competition we had each and every week, uh, which was a very tough schedule, was our best player. So he just got a lot of attention. He still was effective. Uh, you know, uh, the interesting thing, I mean, we he had one year, second year, where he had a high ankle sprain, which, as you 
uh, you guys who cover football, sometimes yeah. it takes three, four, or five weeks. And he came back the next week, and while he shouldn't have played, he taped it up. He went out there. He wasn't near as effective, but he didn't care. That's just kind of how he is. And I know if Coach Reed or uh, Coach Spag or even Coach Cullen say, I need you to do this, you need to suck it up and do this, you're, you're not going to find anyone that's going to blink uh, uh, easier than, than he than he won't, and he'll go out there and, and figure out a way to hopefully get it done. Fans are going to love that. You play hurt. I mean, his pro day, he was out there without a shirt on. Why is that important? <laughs> it was 23 degrees. <laughs> that's funny. That's just him. I mean, come on. That's just that's just. Funny, he's, but... he's a tough guy, though, man. It's a throwback to being a tough guy. Well, yeah, but going back to your point about rookies getting the amount of sacks they do, I, I think Karloftis, something that we could see from him right away is that hustle, that tenacity you're talking about. That turns into sacks a lot of times, man, especially when you have a Chris Jones type penetrating the interior, forcing quarterbacks to scramble outside or just kind of, you know, get panicky and kind of start running around. Karloftis has that type of motor, the type of in and athleticism, too. There's one thing. He did drop some weight, right? He's, he talked about that in, in, in the in 15 OTS. pounds, he said. Yeah, and something that uh, Matt Stagner, shout out, you know, my podcast partner on a, at AP, was something he mentioned in the pre-draft process, or even I, I should say both in the pre- and post-draft process, that Karloftis played at his best early in his career when he was a little lighter than he was towards the end. So, you know, I, I, I could see Karloftis coming in right away and just being a hustle guy and, and a guy that maybe racks up that a number of sacks you were just talking about. Because he's cleaning up after guys like Jones and 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 hopefully you know other players, but mostly Jones, uh, maybe forcing quarterbacks out of the pocket. Here was Carl Loftus uh, during minicamp talking about the new move, moves he's working on. Absolutely, you know, I think that that part of practice, you know, uh, as a D lineman, I'm trying to to find a plan and and what I do. I like my power approach and doing things off of that too. You know, I think I've grown a lot. You know, changed my body a little bit during the pre-draft process, and you know that's unlocked different things that I can do on the. F- you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. So... So just mixing and, and, you know, molding myself into the pass rush I want to be and, and Coach Cullen season me. So that's what uh, he said about that. Here's the 10 to 15 pounds. I lost about 10, 15 pounds during the pre-draft process and uh, feel really good. Uh, worked a lot on my mobility, my speed, strength too, and just, you know, became started becoming a pro. So if you go back to 2020, because we went last year, Michael Parsons 13, that's what Chase Young had seven and a half. Nobody had more than four. Yeah. Beyond that, because uh, Alton Robinson had four, Patrick Queen had three, and that's not even a rusher. Yeah, he's you an know, inside linebacker. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how thin it was from rookies, and he's going to be expected 
to be up there. But 2020 was a real lean year for rookie uh, pass rushers in the National Football League. 2019 was when Josh Allen, Max Crosby had 10, Nick Bosa had nine that year in um, in just in 16 and- games. But that was a good year for for edge rushers, and that's. Like I don't expect ten sacks from Karloff this, but I mean Max Crosby did, and yeah, I, mean, I feel he's got the same motor. Max Crosby's a mid round pick. Well, yeah, and and a lot of sacks just come from opportunity, right? Just come from how much you play. And there's not a lot of rookie edge rushers that are going to play as much as Karloff. This is probably going to have to play this year, just because of what the rest of the group looks like. I I know Mike Dana gives them very quality snaps, right? And and I know there's some other guy, you know, Kando obviously is someone that we're all kind of intrigued to see what he can do, but. Man, you know, with with how thin it is right now and the investment they put in him as the 30th overall pick, as a first-round pick, he's going to be playing quite a bit. And, and you know, the guys you mentioned were all starting right away. And and that just pl- plays into Karloftis being able to get to that number. Even if he's not the best rusher right away, again, Jones, you know, creating sacks for him, just playing that amount of snaps he's going to have to play might get him to seven or eight sacks. So that's my long-winded way of saying what my first <laughs> number one thing is as we uh, go through the top three. What's your number one? Oh my God. The receiver position is definitely the okay, thing. So you're I'm, going receivers. Number one. It, it has to be man. No Tyree kill for the first time. I can't even, I barely remember. Uh, obviously I remember, but it's just like, it was so long ago that Tyree kill wasn't a part of this offense. It's, it's going to change so many things. Wide receivers been an abyss for this team. Ex- yeah. Before, before Tyree kill. I mean, it was, it was, we went a whole year without a, a, a touchdown from a wide receiver. Fucking Macklin and Kennison. And- exactly. And, and it's going back to that kind of range. What it was like before in terms of receiver by committee, right? Not maybe a true wide receiver one, but just a collection of guys that all offer different things. And I'm just super intrigued to see which players kind of step up. We know MVS has already built that kind of rapport with Mahomes and OTAs. Pete Sweeney has been very clear about that. Um, and, and I, and it seems like that's true. Um, but I, I, I'm just curious to see how Juju, where Juju fits in, how sky, how involved sky Moore gets into the offense as a rookie with three other receivers and Travis Kelsey kind of taking up snaps too. does McCole Hardman's role actually change or does it just stay to in a similar gadget role way? That's, that's maybe more limited than, than we'd like to see. It's there's so many questions about how the receivers will be implemented um, this year and training camp will be our first time to, to truly see in live game, you know, live situations, how they implement them. So I'm really excited to see the receivers. Uh, Banchero goes number one overall. Yeah. He was the one that people thought he was Mahomes, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he was. So Mahomes goes, Mahomes goes number one. Again yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's so good. He, yeah. No, I, I, I like Paulo. So there you go. So we'll get uh, more into the wide receivers. We'll go on too. Cause I know you've been doing your read remix, but the second thing we're looking for a camp coming up. Plus, some possible moves for the Kansas City Chiefs for the defensive line next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Boy wonder. Welcome back to Bank at Night. Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez, Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. With this, well, Woj is wrong with the first pick. It's uh, Banchero from Duke goes number one. Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, the power two power forwards back-to-back goes number two. The Rockets on the clock. So there's a uh, keep you updated. We're Mr. Oak Park, Obaje, and then the yeah. local uh, Christian Brown lottery. Well. That'd, be, that'd be cool if he got in the lottery. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. All right, so we did number one. My number one was Karloftis. Your number one was Receivers. So my number two 
receivers. What's it going to look like? With Juju, MVS, MVS getting a ton of run, he's supposed to run more intermediate routes right? than what he's been is the nine-route vertical route. And keep in mind, MVS kind of reminds me of high school recruits when you have to look at the system they were in. And you always wonder, like, how did this kid go to Division One? Well, camps, everything else, and you knew his potential, but you knew his offense he was in was holding him back for what he could do. I don't think the offense was holding MBS back, but Devontae Adams was. Yeah, he played with the best receiver in the NFL, debatably. I, I would I would say Tyreek's a better receiver. But anyway, uh, MBS just, I, I really think him being able to be expanded in this offense, already having that vertical element down, right? I, I do think he's a good receiver down the field, good at releases because he's a bigger receiver, right? He's not this shorter you know, lighter receiver. He's got a pretty good frame to him, which allows him to, you know, play through physical coverage, play through, you know, uh, uh, you know, contested catch opportunities and make plays down the field. And so he already has that down, right? That combined with the expansion of his game, as you're talking about, you know, Andy using him more on just, you know, crossing routes, using that speed to just get away from guys, right? You know, not just going deep, but, you know, also, you know, use him in the intermediate game. I think that why, that's why it could make sense that he turns into the wide receiver one. I know, you know, it, uh, there's so many, there's up for debate who's going to lead the team in targets or lead the receivers in targets, I should say. I think Kelsey will lead the team in targets. MVS has a good chance to do it just because he has that vertical element already, something that I don't think Juju has as much. McColl, you know, I th- we hope it kind of takes that step this year to be more a vertical guy, um, but he's been used a lot in different ways in, in the past. It makes sense why MBS could could be the wide receiver. One. I still think it's Juju though, because I still think he ends up with the six, the seven catches a game, more intermediate stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I just see him being that guy, but I don't think there's a big difference. I will say this: by the end of the year, not the end of the year, but week eight, I'd like to see it be Sky Moore. Like this team needs him to go to. He catches everything, which is an Andy Reid favorite. Got the largest hands coming out of the draft. Sky's the limit for Sky Moore. <laughs> no pun intended there. But I would like to see him get to that point. Now, listen, there's speed all over the place. Now, Sky Moore is not a – I mean, he's fast, but not like McCall yeah. Hardman. McCall Hardman was 4.33 at the Combine. Yeah. He's, he's MBS was 4.37 at 6.4. Which exactly. Is, which is gives you some red zone targets uh, completely. But Sky Moore is just an all – I mean, put it this way. The Chiefs were needing another receiver this year, and they go with Sky Moore – when anybody else was out there, that's yeah. who they targeted. That's who they passed identified. up. George Pickens passed up on Watkins. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, I one thing four that, four one speed, which is still blazing. Yeah, very fast, very fast for sure. But he's still more. I think he's more quick in short areas or change of direction speed rather than long speed, like you see with Hardman and MVS. And and that's where I like the compliment they have, the compliments they have. I think MVS and McColl can be your your interchangeable deep threats or just speed threats, right? Whether no matter what the routes are. Then Juju and Sky Moore can be more your create quick separation off the line. You know, you know, win on a slant real quick. Have strong hands. That's one thing that I really think Sky Moore and Juju will have better than D. Rob and Pringle last year. Were, were strong hands at the catch point, right? Fighting through physical coverage and making the catch. It was a problem last year with those auxiliary receivers. So, yeah, that's why I, I think Sky Moore and, and Juju their their skill set complements the speed threats that MVS and McColl have too. By the way, Jabari Smith. Junior from Auburn goes number three to the Rockets. They keep you updated on things like this. But, yes, how they're going to utilize the wide receivers is interesting to me. Will McCole Hardman still be the gadget type of deal where he was last year? Or it's contract year for him. Yeah, Like, he's going to want to show out. Same with Juju. Yeah, You you get a couple guys in their contract year that really want to show out what they can do, but they're going to be having to spread the ball around. 
and not texting their agent. They're not getting utilized <laughs> like Tyreek was doing. But the bottom line is, I think it's more screen passes for the Chiefs. I know they yeah. really went that direction. I know Ronald Jones has really been – he's been going down to Camp Pat, working on you know mm-hmm. becoming a better receiver than he's been the past in the NFL out of the backfield. But I could see a lot more screen passes from the Chiefs like we started to see down the stretch using Darrell Williams like they did. We have over 500 yards receiving. And they've got the wide receivers that can block. Yeah. Sammy Watkins could. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, they yeah. were still looking for that X last year when Sammy left. But I think they got a couple guys that can fill that role, if not more. I think if you're playing the Chiefs, it's not like you can go back like last year, the year before, where they're looking for what the Chiefs did the year before and the year before that. Exactly. Because this year's different. Yeah. And I don't think you can go back and say, all right, what did the Chiefs do last year? Because I think it's going to be a different looking offense. And I think this gives Andy Reid a clean slate to do what he wants. Well, yeah, the, the, your screen point goes into my second point, which is the offensive line and just the run game in general. I, I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, their base run game, you know, their, their base run packages, I guess, or, their, or the, what they do for their base run plays or what, you know, are they going to just continue these inside-outside zone runs where we're doing a lot of RPOs and the offensive line isn't firing out because they, they have to be, you know, passive and, and not get downfield. And, you know, you just have your running backs more so reading rather than ever being led through a hole by a polling guard or, you know, a, a fullback or a tight end. Are we going to see a little bit more of that this year? And and I think one reason why we could is it's just an easy way to kind of ease the uh, the new guys into the offense. The, the most turnover on the offense is the wide receivers, the passing game, right? You're seeing the, you know, the offensive line is, you know, has good continuity. Your starting running back is, has been your running back the past two years. I know Ronald Jones is in the mix now. But the offense has good continuity in the for the run phase of the game. The passing phase is what has a lot of turnover. So that's why I think, you know, if they can, I think one way to kind of ease the passing offense in is to be more relied on the run game, right? You know, run more, you know, dominant run plays, you know, not just kind of, I feel like Andy has always just run run plays just as a kind of a filler, right? Let's get to the next play. Let's get four or five yards and let's get to the next play. I think if you try to utilize the rushing game as an actual part of your offense to score points, get yards, I really think it could open up the play action game too. It could force defenses to kind of get more risky with how they, you know, how they, you know, cover you, you know, maybe they put more people in the box, all those things. I just want to see them make a more concerted effort. Once we get to training camp to do some of those running, running plays rather than just the typical zone plays. Let's, let's see some more power, some counter. I'd love to see a lot more of that this year. Well, Jerick McKinnon ended up playing 13 games to the chiefs last year, 12 attempts, 62 yards rushing, receiving, he had uh, 13 receptions uh, for 107 yards. Now, that's regular season. Yeah, I was going to say. And the postseason was a different story for Jerick McKinnon, who had 150 yards rushing, and he had um, 279, or excuse me, 165 yards receiving, meaning totally different back in there. What would you make of his signing back? Because to me, I really think they like him as that third down back. And Yeah. You know, Ronald Jones, I don't think it's a lock to make this team. I don't. I know Pacheco's here, and yeah, you know, and then Ely's here. They're gonna be fighting undrafted. A couple practice squad type guys, and if Pacheco goes as a seventh round pick to the practice squad, no big deal. I do think they keep four running backs though. Yeah, one won't be active on so game too. days, but I think yeah. it'll be Clyde, Rojo, um, Jerick. I think it'll be Jerick McKinnon. Yeah, and then Pacheco and or Ely. Yeah, I think Pacheco, Pacheco. Uh, you know, he's. It makes sense for him to be the fourth guy because he can be a special teams guy. He can he can probably contribute in all four phases, maybe even be a returner. Um, he has that kind of speed. Um, I've said it before with you, but he really reminds me of like a Nile Davis, where he, he's going to come in, you know, be pretty well built, have some good speed, 
Uh, maybe, you know, just, just be a, a, a good athlete, right, and in a lot of different phases. So I, I think they're going to like that. I think Dave Tobe's going to like Pacheco. So, yeah, it is interesting. That means no Derek Gore, right? You know, Derek Gore, a guy that really showed some things last year. Unless he shows some at camp, which I'm not ruling him out. I know, exactly. Like, I, I'm I, not ruling him out because he showed – when he was on the field, he showed flash. Exactly. He made and big plays. you can't – when you see that in the NFL, I mean, the breakaway, the burst, he had that and he showed it yeah. against NFL talent. I know, and so that's where it's gonna. That's you know, it's 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 a whole training camp battle that's really gonna be interesting. I mean, you know, we're we're talking about Clyde because we all want to see him take that step. Man, there's a lot of backs that could fight for for snaps this year, man. So we you don't even we don't really know who's gonna emerge and be that that top guy for sure. I mean, you're right. You know, Jarek McKinnon. I mean, he played so well last year. What if he comes in and just you know looks the best? You know. So what's your two? Two. Oh, number, number two, two. storyline because we went. Uh, you went receivers one. Offensive line, Offensive the, the run good. game. Yeah, I know that because you were talking about the screen game. You know, I really think Kinda the continuity. Hand hand, yeah. yeah, the continuity of the offensive line is just going to be, I think, something that can be utilized more by Andy Reid in the in the coaching staff. I just feel like they they could utilize them just blowing dudes off the line. They're also physical, also you know dominant at times, and that right tackle spot's also going to be interesting, man. They could earn it. I don't honestly. Really? I, I don't right now. I, I I don't. I you know we're seeing. See, Wiley I would slot take him as the right tackle. Yeah, which I, I think, you know, by the time we get to week one, he gets more, you know, play under his feet. I think he could surpass Wiley. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about continuity on the offensive line, man. Wiley is playing right tackle pretty well last year. I know, but I, you're talking about the chip on the shoulder, right side yeah. of the line with Trey Smith and Gennard. Yeah, and, and trust me, I, I really like the thought of that. I was, I was intrigued by it. But, you know, you, gotta, you, you do got to give credit or give, you know, credence, I should say, maybe to where he was taking, you know, this isn't a Trey Smith situation. Trey Smith had a really good reason to get taken in the sixth round. Darren Kennard was picked in the fifth round and he was projected as a guard, maybe for a reason. Now I really liked him as a right tackle coming in. He was my, you know, he's one of a, a highly rated guy, but I'm just trying to be more realistic about it. Not all these guys are going to, you know, go from fifth or sixth round picks into, into starters immediately. Like Trey Smith did last year, especially at the right tackle position that, you know, you're on an Island out there, right? It's not the same as being a right guard where you're kind of helped out more. So I just, I, I think once we get to this point, once we get to week one, it's going to be like, Oh yeah, Wiley, you know, they're going to trust that experience. They're going to trust what he did in the past with this offensive line more, but that doesn't mean Kennard can't, you know, eventually emerge, but Hey, you know, Niang is there too. And, and I know he's hurt right now, but you know, if Kennard doesn't take it right away, then I guess, you know, Niang may be able to kind of sure. surpass him too. So we'll, we'll get into our third storyline later on, but uh, we'll hit some of these text line questions of Jay Southland Tow Service text line 913-586-7610. Talk about a couple of moves the Chiefs could do before uh, training camp starts here next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Big and Jim Inkley, Julio Sanchez, and Ron Kopp, lead analyst, ArrowheadPride.com. We've got to take some Gorilla Tape to uh, some coolant later after the show. We're going to MacGyver it. It's going to happen. Oh, wow. Just like we're going to have to MacGyver Bink's uh, mic right there. Yeah. I, I don't know what you just did, but you just exploded it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bink, Bink the handyman worse. right now. It's making it worse. Yeah. Get the Gorilla oh. Tape. Super glue or something. We need something. <laughs> we got, yeah, you got it? You good? The hand just took the mic off, yeah. Too excited. 
All yeah, right. you're just too fired up, Jay. I understand. I understand. All right, we'll hit our first text line question of the night, uh, 913. I want Robert Quinn. Um, that is an interesting one for the Chiefs, and I'm typically against getting free agents in their 30s. However, there's two I would make the exception for, and Robert Quinn is the is one of them. Now, it's going to cost you money, but it's only going to cost you probably a third-round pick, which I would say this about Robert Quinn. That's a guy that can make a difference for your team, in my opinion. That's a guy that would give you more production than Melvin Ingram did. Definitely give you more production than Terrell Suggs did. Uh, we're talking about a guy that, <laughs> I mean, Robert's been playing a long time. He played with St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, when it was the Rams were in St. Louis, I mean, but he had numbers. I mean, he had 10 and a half sack season in St. Louis. He had two 10 and a half sack seasons in St. Louis. Had a 19 sack season. You might say, okay, well, that was a long time ago. That's true, 2012-13. But... 2019 for Dallas, 11 and a half. Last season with Chicago, 18 and a half. Yeah. Meaning he's good at getting to the quarterback and changing things around and doesn't seem all that happy in Chicago. But, you know, I don't know what his relationship with Matt Nagy was. He's here, but I don't think the Chiefs care really. They just want yeah, play. I I doubt that matters much, right? I mean, it can't. He's on the defensive side. He's an offensive it's coach. Good. It now. would cost they you want... money, man. Robert Quinn would cost you money. Yeah, no, I, I'm intrigued by any any addition to the edge rusher position because they only have five guys on the roster right now, which is a, such a low number for this time of the offseason, right? You have a 90 man roster. You you can have you know up to six seven guys just for camp bodies. And, you know, that that's the thing, you know. Uh, he made maybe, almost thir- – uh, scheduled to make almost $13 million this year. Yeah, which and, – and that's where, you know, the Chiefs cap space, you know, AP's got him projected right now at $11 million. I mean, that's where, you know, it does get a little tricky where, you know, the, is that number really worth what you're going to get or is it worth just letting these young guys kind of, you know, uh, learn on the fly, kind of, you know, uh, trial, by, trial by error rather than, you know, paying a guy just to, you know, eat up snaps where – you know, I know you mentioned, hey, the 18 and a half sacks, that's so impressive last year. You know, the pressure rate is, you know, just around 11%, which is pretty good. It's it's not it's not a lead or grade or anything, but it is pretty good. But, you know, is are we sure Quinn's not going to give us, you know, are, are we sure Quinn's going to give us much more than we've, than we've had from like a Frank Clark? I mean, you know, he, he's... I would say yes on that. Yes. You would say yes. I, I would mean, say yes on that. I, I know, you know, the 18 and a half sack speaks for itself last year, but I and just think... And it'd be a good guy, I think, to have around with Curl Office. Yeah, but I just think with the with the other players you're going to have to play at the position, he's going to be a situational player. You know, Quinn's going to have to be a situational rusher, um, you know, with Carl Loftus and Clark probably playing the majority of the starting snaps. You know, I, I, I did. Be, I, that is true. I'd like to have that situational rusher, um, you know, and, and, and that's the thing, you know, him playing in that role rather than being a starter is definitely helping his case to be a productive player for the Chiefs. I just don't know if it's worth, you know, what you're going to have to give up, what you're going to have to pay him. Um, I think I think I would lean right now just have these guys you know learn by kind of trial by error these young guys and and you know and and kind of you know it, it, the, Quinn would give them more pass rush production for sure but when what they have right now but I think just for what you have to give up for him and if he gets cut you know if somehow he gets cut I think it's a different story but I don't think that's gonna happen I, I imagine the Bears want to get something for well, him. I just think if you went into the season and thought okay all right now the pass rush you get some legitimacy there. And you would feel better about it, for sure. Yeah, this was this was Veach with Rich Eisen not too long ago. And keep in mind, this would take up a lot of the money that you worked on clearing. To entertain this trade, and, and when we realize that we can get multiple picks, a one, two, four, four, and a six, that this would be a way to hit draft and receiver, uh, 
throw a ton of resources on the defensive side of the football, and then also infuse money back into the cap, both in the short and long term, um, so that next year we can be a player in free agency. And so this route that we decided to take, it really opened up what we think are many avenues to improve the roster over the next few years. And that might, you know, dampen that as far as being a player next year. I know people really want the Chiefs to be a player this year. They didn't have the money to do it. I mean, the salary cap, I know people say it's a myth or whatever. It, it did hit the Chiefs. The check became due yeah. on a lot of the, the, the players and stuff. But it, it did clear enough to where, and he talks about players, which keep this in mind, if Sky Moore can ever develop to be that number one, they've got to get a number one because they need that for Mahomes. Because they've done everything else but get him. I mean, I'm not calling running backs a weapon for Mahomes. I'm talking receiving yeah, yeah, yeah. weapons for yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah, but but that's the thing. You talk about, you know, clearing up the cap space. I mean, you know, in their situation they're with, with the Patrick Mahomes contract, some of these big contracts are going to have to take on if they have to sign Orlando Brown Jr. as well. You know, it may have been a smart decision to take a kind of an offseason off of, of spending big, right, of, of kind of making any blockbuster moves, which they really didn't. You know, the only blockbuster moves they made were acquiring picks and trading away their players, right, in a, in a Tyree Kill instance. And so that's where, yeah, it, it may have just been them kind of skipping a year of going all in, right? And then next offseason, like you're mentioning, that's that's when they go all in, you know, and, and Quinn just doesn't fit into that theme. You know, he just doesn't, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're maybe kind of pushing it in terms of how much you're paying him just to get a, you know, a, a little bit better at pass rush. You know, you're, you're not getting, it's not like you're getting a Khalil Mack or, or something, right? You're getting a situational rusher which is is going to improve the pass rush, which would be nice to have. I just, for what you're going to have to pay him, for what it could, you know, cost you. I want to keep the picks. I don't really want to give up a top 100 pick like you probably have to do. I, I think you'd I think you'd rather just play it like you are right now. So you have Jones with the interior pressure that can give you sacks, not on the edge. You got Karloftis and Frank Clark on the edge. LeJay Sneed, yeah. Nickel Blitzes, I mean, Brain Cook. They I can a lot expect of, him to go in there. I was going to say. Go, but manufacturing Leo Chennault, yeah. you know, if he's playing some Sam linebacker, yes, absolutely. which he could be on the outside. I mean, the guy had a, a higher pass rush grade at Wisconsin than T.J. Watt did. <laughs> Not saying he is, but he did lead Wisconsin the last two years in sacks, including eight last year from an inside position. So it might be a situation where they got to kind of manufacture that pass rush yes. without a true edge. Yeah, no, I really think you're right. I, I think we're seeing them kind of, they did prioritize a little bit of, of guys that can blitz a little bit in some of their, you know, offseason acquisitions, but even like a Willie Gay, who we already knew about, you know, was, was someone who can blitz as well. You mentioned Sneed. Yeah, I think Spagnola, we, we've seen him get crazy with these blitzes, right? Some of these third down packages, you know, what they do, you know, dropping, you know, last year I remember plays where they have both defensive ends dropping into, you know, flat coverage and having, you know, still having five guys rush after the quarterback. I mean, Spags gets creative and it, and it, I think it's just going to be able have to be taken to a different level this year to kind of mask uh, the, the thinness they have at the edge rusher position. Coming up next, look at another one in Dominican Sioux, the Nebraska legend. Now we've been talking about 30 year olds and you know, would they help the chiefs? What about Sue? We discuss him next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Dream, I used to read Word Up magazine. Something Welcome back to Bank at Night, Jim Binkley, Julio Sanchez, Ron Cop, lead analyst, ArrowheadPride.com. As we're uh, one day less than a month from uh, rookies and quarterbacks reporting better for any guys that are hurt from last year, they show up too, but I'll be... In St. Joe a month from today. 
is that'll be on a weekend, and I'll be Can't wait. It's, a be- it's a beautiful scene. A Saturday morning With in Dustman, St. Joe. Dustman, they're talking uh, Chiefs. Good. Good. No, I've, I've, you know, I've been attending training camp since I can remember, and it's crazy how you know big it gets. You know, uh, uh, the crowds, right? You know, on, on uh, you know, in recent seasons and recent off seasons. I feel like every practice now you can't you can't find a practice where it's not just packed to the gills with with people now. I feel like you know you used to be able to you know there was the the you know the one family day or whatever that uh, everyone was there back in the day, but it's every day now where you you're struggling to find places to watch practice. I mean it's it's crazy how big of a thing it is now. So when Tom Sue's doing some stuff with ESPN and NFL Live as of late, and this what he. Ha- I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I had to say, and this gets everybody talking. Duncan, how about the Raiders? $20 million Ooh. in cap space right Vegas. now. Rebuilt offense to compete okay. in the AFC West. You love no that tax, tax situation. <laughs> An interior defensive line, to me, jumps out as a real need on this team. Because, of course, you got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the outside. What do you think? I like it, uh, to be honest with you. Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, uh, I was exchanging messages with him the other day. Oh. Uh, it's Ooh. it's an interesting opportunity for sure. We'll see where it kind of ends up, but it could be that NFC West is true. I mean, the AFC West is very, very yeah. tough, which should be fun. You get out of that, you're almost destined to get to the Super Bowl. Indomitian Sue, again, veteran presence that's got a nasty streak on him that I really like. The whole nasty streak theme, Ron, I'm, uh, I'm really big in. In Dominican Sue, he's uh, he's what thirty four years old now. Selected yeah, he's... in the two thousand ten draft. So, In Dominican Sue's been playing 6'4", 313 pounds. He's thirty five. Excuse me, he's thirty five. And uh, January sixth, so he just turned it. So he'll be thirty five next year. But you think of rotation pieces. Now he did get paid nine million last year, five million dollars signing bonus, which would clearly be a lot less if he wanted to play. Him talking about the Raiders, it didn't excite me because yeah. if he was there on the inside with Crosby and Chandler Jones, that's, that's pretty good force. So one, I'd sign him to keep him away from the Raiders because I'm still pissed at them because we lost Tyree Kill because of them because the money they gave Devontae yeah. Adams. Yeah. So they got the Chiefs to lose Tyree Kill, which that I mean deep down that's a little chess match going on there that they won. Right. Well, I'll, I'll give you a several and line. And he had six sacks the last two years, which if you can get that from the inside, that works. Yeah, I'll give you a little silver lining on him playing with the Raiders. Don't you want to see a Trey Smith, Ndamukong Sue two times a year where they're just bra- brawling, going at each other? Uh, two of the na- two nasty players um, lining up against each other two times a year. I'd love to see that, but no, I I obviously would rather he be on the Chiefs. I, I really think it'd be it'd be a cool or it'd be a good addition if the Chiefs were to grab him. If you think about it on the field, man, he's he's he is more of a B gap player, which which Chris Jones is, right? You know, you talk about that three tech penetrating position in the defensive line rather than more of the nose tackle run stuff, you know, eating double teams. Sue can do that, but a lot of his career he's been he's been where, you know, kind of in that Chris Jones position. So, you know, there, there's something with that where maybe on early downs, they, you know, maybe they don't play with each other. Maybe, it, you know, maybe they're kind of rotating in and out with each other. But think about passing downs, man. When you're, talk, when you're throwing, 
Chris Jones and Adama can sue at those guard and centers, and the center has to choose which one to, to help with, and the other guard is one-on-one with Jones or Sue. I mean, you're talking about a guard and a mismatch. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of guards that can handle themselves one-on-one. Well, Loftus is a nasty trick about him. We know, yeah, we know exactly. Frank Clark has it, too. Because he, yeah, yeah. Oh, in yeah. the postseason, he's, what, fifth all-time in sacks. I, mean, I know. He turns it up a notch then, but he's got that, you know, in Brian Cook, they just draft this. That guy likes a hit. Yeah. The guy's got a little. And Leo Chanel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mean streak. I mean, Bolton. Nick Bolton. Yeah. Nick Bolton's got him. I mean, <laughs> got a I, lot love, of guys. I love the yeah. nasty temperament of the Chiefs and what they've been able to do because they flipped that mentality. Because when teams could run on them, they felt like they owned their soul and they took advantage of it. And I felt the offense got labeled as finesse yeah. for years, except last year. I think people said, okay, this line is nasty. This line likes to pancake you. Yeah. Like Creed Humphrey will put you on the ground. Trey Smith will put you on the ground. And Orlando Brown will too at points. But I I just see a shift in kind of how you view the Chiefs because this is not the same way you viewed the Chiefs two years ago. No, the defensive point, the nastiness, I mean, it is a theme. And Sue really would fit into that theme. So when you think about it like that, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I think you think about who they've lost too. You know, Tyron Matthew and Anthony Hitchens, you know, I know Hitchens was the hitman. I think that was his nickname. Um, you know, they weren't the most physical players towards the end, right? Not the most aggressive players on the field. Bolton is. Yeah, exactly. Bolton is. Sneed is. And, you know, you know, even Thornhill. I think Thornhill has gotten a lot better at, you know, laying the thump, you know, laying a, laying a hit um, coming down from the safety position. I know I remember week one last year he forced a fumble with a big hit on Nick Chubb. So, yeah, I think the, the young leaders you're seeing stepping up in the, in, in the defense right now are guys that have maybe a little bit more physicality to them and, when you think about the theme of the offseason, bringing guys in like that, you know, Sue does make sense. And he, and the thing I like about him compared to Quinn, he's a free agent. You're not trading anything. You're negotiating. And it's going off the philosophy of guys in their 30s. But yeah. I just see a piece that would help. Yeah. And which is fine because if you're a young team, which Chiefs were the youngest team in the AFC playoffs last year, but a piece that can help you go forward. Yeah. The, the defensive tackle room, I, I do like where it's at right now. I think they have a pretty solid group. I say solid, not, I don't want to say like great. I don't want to say, you know, awesome, but a solid group. They have a good rotation of guys. When you're thinking about naughty warden, Taylor Stallworth, Colin Saunders, all guys that have given you good snaps. You know, Star Stallworth's a guy we don't talk about much. I know. And I, I, and I really like him. I exactly. I know. Uh, seriously. But you compare all of them to Sue, what Sue can bring you. I mean, it's not even a question. You're increasing what you can get from that defensive line position. And I'm just thinking about all the possibilities. You mentioned Carl Loftus before. Think about the different ways they can mix and match who's rushing from where. When you're talking about Sue, Jones, Carl Loftus, Clark, and then you mix in a Tershawn Wharton who's pretty versatile as well. You know, if Kando starts coming along as that long, you know, that big build, man, he's got that such a frame. There are some fun pieces they can they can work around with. And I think Sue being in the middle of all that would increase everyone else's uh, ceiling. And I just think the Chiefs have made these type of moves yeah. with Terrell Suggs coming in here because yeah. it wasn't just about production with him. It was about the off-the-field stuff. I mean, guys start doing what he did. He takes notes and they start doing it. Melvin Ingram, I felt, helped you on the field more than Suggs and off the field the same. Yeah. But he, he did both for you. Exactly. But I think Sue would be a guy that people respect. They know who he is. He's an accomplished guy in the NFL, has a ring, and that's a guy they could learn interior pass rush moves and everything else from, and a guy that you know is going to give you full effort, and a guy that doesn't miss games. Well, that's a great point, honestly, on the veteran part of it, because you look at the defensive line, man. Jones is the veteran of the group. 
And do any of us really look at Jones as, as a true like veteran leader type, right? He's, he's a juice guy. He's an energy guy, but he's not truly a, a veteran savvy type of leader. That's, that's showing you how it's done. Maybe, you know, going the extra mile, you know, in the, in the film room kind of, show, you know, he's just, I don't think it's his personality, right? He's more of that fun loving guy that, that, you know, just loves, everyone loves to be around. They probably do need a little bit more, you know, veteran type of leadership that Sue would bring, right? So I, I think that's another great point about this. He's played 191 games. He started 191 games. Here's the thing. He's played 16 games every year since 2000. Last year he played 17 because of the 17-game schedule, except for two games his second year, 14. He played 14 out of 16, but it's been 16, 16, 16. Yeah. That's a guy, I mean, that's – even at his age, it's tough to replace when you're sitting here playing every single game, every single week that shows toughness. You're not injury prone and you're a guy that can get the job done, but reliability, accountability is going to be out there. And that's a hard trade to find. Well, yeah, especially on the defensive line, right? It's so, I feel like it's so easy to get banged up as a defensive lineman. So I think that is a great point. And he shouldn't have to come in and be this, you know, um, 70, 80% of the snaps kind of guy. He should be able to come in and be more of a situational wrecker. I, I, I think he'll play more than, you know, when I say situational, I feel like it, it's, it comes off as limited. I don't think he'd be limited. He just wouldn't be playing, you know, um, all the snaps. I don't think he would need to. And I think that would even preserve him even better to be good on the snaps he does play. So I, I, I do like the idea of Sue. You're, you're, you're talking me into it, Jay. Well, here we go. 913-586-7610 is the J Southlands Tow Service text line. Phone number also 913-586-7610. We'll continue to get to your questions as we go. But Ron's got a series called the Reed Remix. It's a really interesting series. He's doing arrowheadpride.com. We'll discuss that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 